Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spin Move Podcast. I am your host, Nathan um, Parker, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paolo Esparza and Samir Mala. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. I mean, we're in... We're at the point of the Australian Open semifinals, but also the uh, week of the Super Bowl, as well as uh, midway through the college basketball season. So, lots to talk about. Yeah, it's been a yeah. Everything's good. I'll do, I mean, yep, everything's good. I'm ready for the Super Bowl, but I gotta tell you, that was a crazy weekend. Yeah, uh, a crazy weekend to say the least. And uh, we're gonna get more into that um, very soon. Um, in terms of what we're talking about, a lot of you guys already know. But before we get started on that, uh, we just want to welcome you all to the Spin Move Podcast. If you're new, um, welcome aboard. Hopefully, you guys enjoy the podcast. Um, for those of you who are returning, um, welcome back, and we hope that you will um, continue to comment, um, subscribe if you can. Um, we're on multiple platforms. Uh, Samir, can you tell them where we're at? Yep, we're on Spotify, on Google, Pl- on Google Play, and as well as Apple Podcasts as well. Just type in Spin Move Podcast in whatever search uh, engine, search browser, and you can find us there. And you can find us on Twitter at Spin Move Podcast, where we produce episodes once a week towards the weekends while we record every Wednesday evening. Yeah, and so you guys can find us on multiple platforms. Um, And like we said, please do interact. Um, We'd like to hear some feedback from you guys. Um, I did get some feedback um, earlier for somebody who did listen to the podcast. They said we did a fairly good job. We appreciate that. Hannah will give you a quick shout out. Thank you for uh, giving us some feedback on that. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our first topic for today. Um, and unfortunately, um, it's one of um, on the sad note. And um, over the weekend on Sunday, around 1030, 11, um, we heard the news that unfortunately Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter crash um, at the age of 41. Um, along with that was his daughter, Gianna, um, who also died at the age of 13. And there were also several other people um, on the plane crash, um, or the helicopter crash, rather, in Calabasas, California, about nine others to be exact, including the pilot um, and several um, coaches, um, the Altabelli, two, two um, people from the Altabelli family, um, and there's several other people um, who unfortunately um, died in that, in, that, in that helicopter crash as well. Um, a lot of news has been coming out recently. There's been a lot of reaction um, from players, um, from coaches, from everybody around the league, and just from people in general. Um, I was—I know personally, I was at um, a buffet when I got the news. Um, I got it sent from Samir. Um, first, it was first reported from TMZ. Um, they were the first to report on the scene. Um, and at first, when I saw it, and I, when I saw what what they were saying, I just couldn't believe it at first. Um, But as you started to see the news start to trickle in, you started to see more people comment on it, um, the reality started setting in, um, and quickly we started getting the news of of Kobe Bryant um, unfortunately dying um, in the helicopter crash. Um, So I know for you guys, um, there's a lot of thoughts, there's a lot of things um, to talk about in this regards because we've all grown up watching Kobe Bryant Mm -hmm. for several years. Um, he was an amazing player. Um, he was doing some amazing things after his career in regards to um, uh, writing. He won an Academy Award for Deer Basketball. Um, you know, he was he was a man of many um, talents. You know, he was also a third-degree black belt. 
He spoke three other other languages. Um, fluently, rather, yeah, fluently. Yeah, Chinese, Spanish, and Italian. Um, and he, I mean, obviously he was a family man. He, had, he has three other daughters as well, um, as well as a, a wife, Vanessa. Um, so I want you want you guys to be able to give your thoughts on you know Kobe Bryant in general, um, as well as just the whole situation. Uh, what was you guys' reaction? Yep. So it came as a shock to me, like to me on a Sunday afternoon. For me, I was watching the uh, Maryland Indiana game, which was in a raucous Assembly Hall in Indiana, and I was uh, simultaneously scrolling through the Maryland Indiana game thread on. Uh, the college basketball subreddit as I normally do watching the games because I want to see what other people are commenting yeah. when in the second half one redditor commented saying something on the lines that Kobe's dead and then so then that was when I switched to my Twitter app constantly refreshing my feed and then the only news I saw was that the helicopter crash article that uh, posted by TMZ that Paolo, like Nathan mentioned mm-hmm. saying that Kobe was one of five on board that were killed it wasn't until an hour later, or half an hour after Maryland's miraculous behind victory happened, that Co- that we find out that Kobe was killed, and it was confirmed by lots of news sources like ESPN, Variety, Sports Illustrated, and so it was. Uh, my childhood family friend, who's constantly busy with med school, was immediately texted along the lines like, "Did you hear about the news?" And yeah. along with other people, like I think uh, our good friend Matt also called me saying, did you hear the news? And I was just uh, stunned for the next two hours. I was supposed to help my dad install a security camera, and I just couldn't move because I was still shaken after just constantly reading the feedback of, like, friends, family members, and uh, of uh, Kobe Bryant and whatnot. And it was just shocking that he shocking. Passed, passed away. Yeah, it, I was stuck it, too. I couldn't even finish my, my food. And it was uh, mentioned just the day before that previous Saturday, LeBron was passing him right. in third and po- total points scored all time. That's right, right. And with Kobe in the audience in the city that he grew up in in Philly, and so for uh, just in general for as him as a uh, player, out of every player I've seen for the past two decades. None were as hardworking, as passionate about basketball as he was. Yep. He would wake up and work out between the hours of 2 to 4 a.m. And, uh, and hone his skills until game time every other like weeknight. And then, yeah, there was one, like, one story. I think he, O.J. Mayo was uh, trying to work on his game. Kobe said, uh, meet me at 3 a.m. He was getting ready at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. and was wondering where Kobe was. <laughs> So, Kobe move. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it shows you the dedication, and it he won three conference championship consecutive championship titles, two Olympic gold medals, scored eighty one in points in a game, uh, ten time ten plus time All Star, a multiple time defensive uh, first team player, made a boatload of clutch, uh, improbable game winning baskets, and was the heir apparent to uh, Michael Jordan. And there are uh, videos out there to show to how mo- identical Kobe was to Jordan, up to the same footwork and jab steps and all, before hitting that iconic fadeaways. Yep. And sure, he did have his baggage, like the sexual, sexual assault is incident in uh, 2006. And I believe the uh, charges weren't dropped, but uh, the I think the witness didn't show up or something. Right. And they settled it in like civil court. And then there was also the feud between him and Shaq during their play- title runs, but I think that was more of just competitive fire. 
But few had the grit, the compassion, and basketball acumen that Kobe had during his 20-plus year with the Lakers. And then also off the court, there are many, many people off the uh, across the globe, A-list celebrities to just every the single common per- person who has been touched by him yep. physically and emotionally uh, through what he brought in and day in and day out. And for us, uh, since we uh, lived uh, and uh, breathed basketball while watching the game, it was him. It wasn't like a LeBron. It wasn't Steph. It wasn't uh, James Harden. It was Kobe that we all called out it while attempting a long-range bucket in a pickup game or a uh, uh, recreational game or actual like uh, other any other game. It was Kobe that we would uh, name after either shooting a long-range shot or shooting a wad of paper into a trash can. Right. And also what I admired most about him not only the dedication of his craft, but also about him being a, a family man and how he wanted to grow the p- brand of basketball past just the the guys, past the just like the uh, us, but also pa- to the girls and the WNBA people of the world. And so he wanted to broaden and make everyone love the game as much as he did. Yeah. And I f- feel like he attended more WNBA games than NBA ones post-career. Probably. Because he wanted to teach his three daughters how to play the game. No, four daughters how to play the Three daughters because his last one was just born last right. year. How to play the game he loved most. And he did mention that in, in an interview uh, recently that the first NBA game he attended after retirement outside of the jersey ceremony uh, was the Mavericks-Lakers game earlier this season with Luka Doncic as his second oldest uh, Gianna invited him to the game. And like uh, Nathan mentioned, he won an Academy Award for his animated short two years ago. That's so he right. was a legendary man who did uh, was said to do legendary opportunities in the future and gone way too soon. Yeah, way like too he soon. like he said, Mamba out. Follow yeah. you. Um, You're at a loss of words. I'm still trying to process this yeah. because I didn't want it to be true. And like Samir said, I was watching the uh, Maryland-Indiana game, and I was also doing other stuff. And then he's the one who messaged me that what, Kobe's dead. I was like, wait, what? And then I kept looking on Twitter. Everybody had the same reaction. I was like, no, nah, this can't be true. Don't let it be true. This cannot be true. And then it was TMZ. Kind of didn't want to believe it, but at the same time, it's TMZ. Say all you want about TMZ, especially Everyone's criticizing them. They should have notified the family first before posting it. But they get a lot of things right. You go back to the Michael Jackson news on his on his death. TMZ was the first one to report it. They got a lot of flag. They said, you better take that down. They said, no, we're sticking to our guns. We, this is true. Guess what? It was true. Yeah. So say all you want about TMZ, but they do get their, they do get their facts right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, but... Um, it's it's just crazy, you know, hearing about Kobe and who was on the pilot, who was on the uh, helicopter with him. It was five, then it was nine. Then I heard some news that uh, Rick Fox was in the plane with him. I was like, wait, what? It was like crazy. And then we found out that Rick Fox was not on the plane. But to hear the conflicting reports, it just really got my mind uh, spinning. And very sad. I, I was hope we all hear about death hoax, and they can get very annoying. But I was that was the one time I was like, oh please let this be a hoax, let this be a hoax. Right. right. And the one time you wanted to be a hoax. Right. The one time you actually want time. something to want a hoax to be real. Yeah. You're, you're actually 
The one time you actually were hoping for it, a hoax, it doesn't come. Yeah. Um, but even if um, Kobe and Gianna were not on that helicopter, it's still sad. It is. Yeah, the seven others. Their, their families, you know. And it still affect, and it affects me because I'm a Wizards fan. But I watched a lot of Laker games because I was a fan of Kobe Bryant, especially um, at those years when he was teaming up with Shaq and won so many uh, NBA titles. A lot of people were also downing Kobe when Shaq left because Shaq already won titles. Like when Kobe won a title, there was a few years where he did not win a title, and they said, "Okay, uh, looks like Kobe can't win the big one anymore." I still, I, I knew Kobe was going to win one, yeah. another one, and he did with Powell, right? Feeling, you know, he did with he won yeah. two with Powell. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he was able to win five uh, NBA championships, one more than Shaq. Um, I remember it was like, what is, a, what is it? What is it? I remember a reporter asked him, "What is the one thing you can take away from this from this championship?" Yeah. I just got one more than Shaq. You can take that to the bank. And then that's, he was like, "You know, I'm just kidding." That's, that's Kobe, though. That's, yeah. that's a competitive fire, but, Kobe. And then the few years where uh, Jim Buss was taking charge of the Lakers, and he made decisions that weren't benefiting the Lakers, got me so mad. I was like. I can't believe it. You cost Kobe a chance to tie Michael Jordan, another guy that I grew up watching. Right, right. So, and once uh, Kobe um, retired, I mean, I just saw a guy who, I can't remember who said this, but this was a guy who did not feel lost on what to do post-career. He had an idea of what he was going to do post-career, but most, but more importantly, he wanted to spend time with his family. Yep. He he loved yeah, his, he loved his that. family so much and he coached his he coached his daughter's team coached his daughter's team and uh, he uh, an ESPN report I forgot her name uh, mentioned her story about Kobe Bryant and said that Kobe loves the fact that he's uh, a father of four daughters right I think it was so, Rachel Nichols I think no it wasn't Rachel Nichols oh you're talking about the other one uh, yeah what's her I name I forgot her name but uh, Ellie Duncan or something yeah oh, okay but. He was like, I love being a girl. She mentioned that Kobe once said, I love being a girl, Dad. Oh, yeah. I love being a girl, Dad. And people would give him, people would give him, like, flack in the street. They'd be like, oh, when are you going to have a son? He's going to take on your well, name. Well, actually, like that. And then Gianna would say, she would say, um, no, I've got that covered. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, she does. <laughs> and that's another so, sad thing. Gianna was 13 years old. She's 13. She's 13 years old. She didn't get to live her life. Yeah. Way too, I, young. way too young. And I feel bad for um well, for everybody uh, who lost someone, someone that crashed. But yeah. you think about Vanessa; she loses her husband and one of her kids. Yeah, and I, imagine. I think uh, the most painful, painful thing a parent could ever go through is losing a child. Yeah. But this is how great Kobe is. Uh, we never met the guy. I never met the guy. I was hoping to meet the guy. But alas, it's never going to happen until um, it's time for me to go to heaven. Right. Uh, but um, the fact that we don't know the man, and yet he touched so many people, everybody's like very affected. And unfortunately, it's reminders like this where we cannot take life for granted. We have to live life to the fullest, but also appreciate the people you have in your life. Right. But it's also sad that it has to take a tragedy. Mm-hmm. To, to, for, to, for us to remind yeah. it. It shouldn't be just that. It has to be every day. But um, what's also sad is that it's the work ethic that Kobe uh, displayed on and off the court is what drives uh, people to do what they want to do. They were, 
I'm seeing, I saw a lot of tributes on uh, Instagram about how Kobe's worth ethic is what's driven them to uh, to to achieve their own mm. uh, goals and aspirations. They were inspired by, by Kobe's, yeah. Yeah, Kobe's work ethic. Yeah. Uh, still sad. I was, <laughs> I, every day I keep waking up thinking, this. Be- I, I hope I'm dreaming. I really right. hope I'm dreaming. It feels like a bad dream that you, it is. you haven't just woken up from. But unfortunately, this is the reality and gonna have to accept it i know la's morning mm-hmm. right now they canceled well not canceled but they postponed the lakers clippers games right. that's they're still yeah they, they were supposed to be last night yeah. but then because of the tragedy since lakers the players the coaches and everyone oh, the executives yeah, yeah. they were all very close to him now i do a pre i did like the the tributes that uh the players did in the games oh yeah as, of course as a tip off as a tip off uh started um they started their own, their first possessions with a 24-second violation or a half-court eight-second violation to tribute mm-hmm. to Kobe as he wore number eight and number 24. And Trey Young wore number eight. For Trey Young wore number Kobe. eight. Spencer Dinwiddie changed his number. Yeah, um, there were at least yeah three, four players Dallas who had Maverick to say no one's wearing 24 in right. our franchise ever again. Right. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid wore 24. So and he had like 24 Brown, points and like eight yeah. rebounds at one point. Right. Eric Gordon scored 50 yesterday. Chris Middleton, Samir told me scored 50 yesterday. So a lot of people are, um, a lot of people are honoring Kobe um, in a lot of different ways. And I think you guys said it best. I, I've got one story to, to share before we move on. Um, but you guys, I think, uh, said it best in terms of, you know, Kobe's, you know, his impact. And I think for me, the biggest thing was um, I was born in Pasadena, California, mm-hmm. and I grew up in Glendale. And the Lakers were my were my team, and they still are my team um, ever since I was born. And he would he and Shaq were the inspiration for me to start playing basketball, um, to get into basketball. I would write stories in my third and fourth grade um, books about you know Kobe beating Michael Jordan and all that. Um, and he he really inspired me through his work ethic um, to be better um, in everything that I do. Um, and I can always remember my fondest memories were uh, sitting with my family in our apartment, um, watching Lakers games at around 3.30 in the afternoon um, on a Sunday. Um, I just always enjoyed that, drinking Coke floats. That's what usually it was down in Cali yeah. to keep cool. Um, and I, I, miss, I miss those times, obviously. Um, but they were special times, um, and Kobe played such a big part. You know, he, every time you turn on the TV to watch him play, I think a, a, a player said this very well, you knew what you were going to get from Kobe. You knew you were going to get 100%. Um, you knew you were going to get everything that you paid for when you watched Kobe. Um, so he's, he was a, he's been an inspiration to many, um, and he's still going to be an inspiration to many. Um, rest in peace to everybody um, that was on the helicopter. Um, we, we pray the best, obviously, for the families um, affected. Um, um, one thing but, I want to say is, like, everybody wants answers, but unfortunately, I think this is going to be one of the many things where we're probably not going to get a clear-cut answer. And very sad for a player like Kobe, because to me, in my opinion, this is the closest to, an, to like, an exact worth ethic of uh, Michael Jordan, where... Both of those guys have in common is I'm the best NBA player in the world, and I'm going to show you why. Right. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get another player like like Kobe Bryant. Could be wrong, but um, but I know people are you know trying to honor him in that way. They're trying to give their best effort to. Um, I know there's an ongoing investigation, so they're still trying to figure out a lot of different things. Um, but you know, 
you can never have a specific answer for this kind mm-hmm. of thing. So a lot of people so, say it's kind of hard to get a clear answer because of the weather condition. Right. Yeah, they did say it was very foggy that morning, and it was overcast later that uh, early morning, late morning, early afternoon, mm-hmm. as the fog subsided. But it was still foggy that morning, and so that that's partially the the cause to blame because the uh, pilot. Many people were saying. Like, even Kawhi Leonard would fly with that same pilot on a helicopter, and he was very respected. So it wasn't like... And the thing was, it was the pilot's decision to fly into that fog. It wasn't like some other era, people's uh, elsewhere. By somebody. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't influenced. Because was, they make the decision, is what I was heard. Right. The pilots make the decision whether to fly in that weather, no one else. Yeah, so... So it's a judgment call, and so it's unfortunate the yeah. way it ended. And it's it's it is it is sad. It's un, it's unfortunate. So we we just hope that the families are at peace or become at peace um, um, with everything that's going on right now, and, and that they will get some modicum of peace during this during this time. It's gonna take a long time. It's gonna take some yeah. time. Everybody's mourning right now. It's, it's kind of the mourning stage. Um, but um, we pray for all the families. Um, send our condolences and prayers for all the families, um, and we hope that hope that thing going forward. Um, that um, you know, yeah. We hope we hope that things will obviously get better. Um, it's, it's hard to say that will get better when you when you have family members die, but we just pray the best for them. And hopefully something so, like this doesn't happen again. Yeah, I mean, we, we can hope. We can really hope um, that something like this won't happen again. So um, that's the best we can do for right now. Um, but we're going to go ahead and move on into the rest of our podcast. Um, we have um, several other topics to get to. Um, I know it's going to be kind of difficult, um, but uh, we're going to try to move on um, in the best way we know we know how. Um, we'll go ahead and go um, over the Maryland game. Um, yep. Maryland um, faced off against number 15, yep. uh, or number 18, Iowa. Or, or no, I'm sorry, they faced off. Against um, unranked against Indiana. Against unranked Indiana. Um, so, Samir, I know you watched mm-hmm. the game. I know you were watching the game, well, obviously, while this is happening. So yep. I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor on on kind of the recap of that game. Yep, of course. So uh, Maryland was playing in their sixth conference road game of the season on Sunday afternoon. And uh, even though they had like a 1-5 and five record and playing horribly against other road teams, like we said, against Seton Hall, against uh, Penn State, against uh, Iowa, both, all three were like dreadful games because they came out slow, unprepared, and uh, didn't want to play in this game kind of feeling. And in this case, they surprisingly won against a similar team record-wise in Indiana. Both teams, I believe, were like 15-4 uh, and four coming into Sunday's game. And uh, the announcers did note that Assembly Hall in India, Indianapolis was the only Big Ten arena that Maryland has never won. Wow. So in the first half, the first half was basically a shootout, like a la the... Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Rams game. Mm-hmm. First half was a shootout as Maryland was 9 of 14 from 3. 9 of 14 of, from 3 and held a double-digit lead by halftime. And I want to say that every a starter and several bench players hit a 3 in that first half as 7 different players out of the 9 three-pointers hit a 3. And then the second half start, started, and Maryland couldn't buy a basket from three. So kind of like this, yeah, same old from previous games. And the layups and the interior shots that weren't falling for Indiana in the first half were easy transition points and easy buckets in the second. As the Hoosiers uh, dismantled the zone defense that was 
working solid for the Terps in past games and was crumbling at its core in the second half, early in the second half. What was a double-digit lead uh, in the quickly evaporated into a double-digit deficit? They were down like about 10 or 11 points at around the 10-minute mark of the second half. And then there was a third shift in the action, and this was right about the time that everyone, including uh, me and Paolo, uh, and, and fans in the audience, started to hear about the passing of Kobe Bryant. And the whole arena kind of went silent. I mean, they're still kind of raucous because it's still Indiana, Maryland, but there was kind of a hush tone to it because of uh, Kobe. And that was when uh, Maryland then turned on to another gear, wiping away that deficit and taking a one-point lead after a Jalen Smith layup with about 14 seconds left, with Anthony Cowan and Aaron Wiggins hitting key back-to-back three-pointers to cut the deficit before that uh, Smith layup. And so now with that uh, with that win, the second consecutive road win, the team moved up uh, from number 17 to number 15 in the standings, AP standings, and faced a number 18 Iowa team at home uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night. Remember, I, like I said earlier, this team got destroyed when they were in Iowa City right. earlier this month. They were hitting, Iowa was hitting buckets left, right, and center from three, from in, inside the paint. Maryland couldn't get anything going, committing several like a bounty full of turnovers, and they just didn't have any momentum in that game. And so hopefully the inverse will happen tomorrow night. Right. And so I have to ask you guys, what do you think it is with Maryland right now, kind of some of the struggles that they're going through? What is the struggle, and then how do you think they can fix it? Because there's obviously, even though they're a solid team, they're a good team, there's obviously something going on with the slow starts and things like that, that they're only finishing games towards the end. What do you think it is with Maryland? Uh, Paulo, you want to answer? Um, Regarding Maryland's inconsistencies, well, it's just not just not connecting on your field goals, basically, mm-hmm. and um, not to mention even when you have um, even when you have a chance to score, um, you don't connect it. Like it, it sometimes it's questionable decisions. You're you're going for a three when you should go for a two, and then when you're going for a two, you're trying to shoot when you're in very uh, tight coverage instead of passing to someone who is like on one on one or wide open. And it doesn't help when you're um, turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. It doesn't matter how good you are. You turn the ball over. You're not winning. Yeah, you're not winning. Uh-uh. Now, Do you think it's a lack of focus? It could be, yeah, because yeah. like we said, and like I said, in the Iowa loss, the Penn State loss, Seattle Hall loss, they're all like top 25 teams. But, again, they didn't have uh, any momentum in any of them because they weren't they started off very sluggish to start the game and right. wouldn't make shots from the field like Paulo was mentioning. Yeah. And it's yeah. not points towards coaching. I, I mean, I, True. I, I, you know, it could, it could be something else, but you know, it, it, that's what we typically, when you see that, especially, you know, I know even with a young team, it usually kind of points towards a lack of coaching because usually the coach is able to kind of get the team refocused. So maybe, maybe there needs to be some coaching adjustments on that side because, you know, obviously they're a good team, and I'd hate to see for them to be – they're very talented. I'd hate to see for them to lose, you know, more games in the future to, you know, bigger opponents, for instance, Iowa, because of lack of focus when they have so much talent. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, that's going to be something interesting to go going forward. And I mean, see if I want to I want to go back to, like, the Wisconsin game that they lost to. I mean, Wisconsin only had seven turnovers. Maryland committed 14. Right. Exactly. 
there's so there's one of that, and you also have defensive collapses. I mean, when you get a big, when you get a lead, you have to you have to withhold play the lead aggressive down. defense right. and or, and maintain the maintain lead. The but lead. just yep. there's just a lot of but when you have defensive collapses, it's going to uh, be difficult to uh, come back from it. Yeah, definitely. So we're gonna have to see how um, Maryland just going forward. Um, we also want to have some other college basketball news to update. Um, Samir, can you kind of run us through some of the other college basketball news we have? Yep. I mean, uh, the AP poll was released uh, every, like as usual, every Monday afternoon. And there weren't uh, many changes among the top ten. Baylor's still the number one team to beat, and I've said this uh, for the past three weeks since since they demolished Kansas at uh, Allen Fieldhouse several weekends ago. So the top 10 is still the top 10, uh, same as usual. But we do have six Big Ten teams between 14 and 20, 25 overall with uh, Rutgers and uh, I believe uh, Penn State at like 24 and 25. And then you also have Maryland at uh, 15. You have uh, Mich- uh, Michigan State at 14, uh, Iowa at 18, and Illinois, I believe, at like 21. And you have the North Carolina Tar Heels, which is not <laughs> on that list entirely. Yes. Not even close. It's kind of a down year for them this year with the amount of injuries, like with Cole Anthony and whatnot. And say the least. I think we probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think Roy Williams stated on his radio show that this was his worst team yeah. he has coached. Yeah, that's, yep, and, that's specifically yeah, what he rooted. stated. Yes. So if he said that himself, <laughs> then uh, – and then it's just going to be a long season. It has been a long season for the Tar Heels, and it's not going to get better until probably next season. Yeah, you can only hope that the Tar Heels turn around next year because, like you said, Paolo, it's not going to happen this season. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and move on to probably the biggest part of our show, which is our Super Bowl preview. And it is going to be a great Super Bowl. We have the offensive powerhouse, which is the Kansas City Chiefs, and the defensive stalwart, which is the um, San Francisco Giants. It should be a very fun San Francisco Giants. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers. You can tell how much I love my San Francisco Giants that I'm a huge fan of the Giants. That's not but for San Francisco like 49ers. Two to three months. I think. It's not yep. for, yeah, it's not for several months. Um, but we have, obviously, Patrick Mahomes facing off with Jimmy Garoppolo. We have, um, you know, two running games with um, several running backs on the backfield. Damian Williams um, for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, Rasheem Morstead, um, Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman for the San Francisco 49ers. We have electric pass catchers in George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, um, Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill. And we have fantastic defensive players in Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, uh, uh, Nick Bosa, several players on both sides of the ball. Um, really great, two great teams um, that were um, said to be in the Super Bowl by the end of the season. One team where, you know, we, in terms of the 49ers, nobody was really expecting them to be this good, um, but have turned out to be just an all-around solid team where they run the ball extremely well, have fantastic defense on both the backside and the front side. Um, and then they have solid offense, you know, you know, good receivers, a great tight end, and a quarterback who's a great uh, game manager. We have the Chiefs, who we a lot of people expected to be in the Super Bowl this year with Patrick Mahomes after last year's um, loss to the Patriots and the fashion that they lost. People expected them to be back at this point, and they have made it um, to the Super Bowl. They have 
as we've talked about, great pass catchers in Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, uh, Nicole Hardman, um, just to name a few. And then they have, um, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes, um, who is the darling child of the NFL. So there's so much to cover in this Super Bowl preview, so much to talk about. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, first off, name off, I guess, or I'll let you guys name off your predictions first. Um, I don't know if you guys, I have stat predictions and I have score predictions as well. Um, Powell, we'll start with you because Samir started out in college basketball. What are some of your predictions for the Super Bowl? If you could give us um, some quick X factors as well as the ending score um, for the Super Bowl. Well, all I can say is um, it's going to be a tough matchup. Um, I think this is going to be a tough matchup from the San Francisco 49ers side because as good as they are, they haven't faced a team like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. or did they this season? I kind of offensively, forgot. I don't, I don't know if they faced a team quite like the Kansas City Chiefs. Then again, the Kansas City Chiefs are on another level. Sure. Um, but they faced quarterbacks similar, Aaron Rodgers. Um, they faced um, although Aaron Rodgers didn't look good. They faced the those two Baltimore Ravens, games. who have a powerhouse offense, but they're not an aerial offense. So I would say. At passing wise, I don't think they've really faced anybody like the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, well, I'll make two X factors. For me, one obviously is Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. because just when you think you got the guy beat, he somehow finds a way to make a big play, like but, Ben Roethlisberger or Russell. But Wilson. he isn't really an X factor because he is an MVP talent. X right, factor so is more of yeah, you expect that. The X factor is more of like the unexpected comes out to play a huge game. Right. True, but just well, I mean I still I still look back at the twenty four nothing uh lead that um Houston Texans uh, gave up and Chiefs scored fifty one. It's true. So that's why I was trying to bring it to that aspect. But uh you make a good point and you can't uh they got to find a way to uh, stop Tyreek Hill because that dude is fast. I know the matchup of him versus Richard Sherman. Yeah, a top tier quarterback is if you switch if if the Chiefs switch um, Tyreek Hill from an outside receiver and put him in a slot where he's even more dangerous. Because right. I don't know if those safeties can can catch him. I don't think anybody can catch Tyreek yeah. Hill. He's but then again, San Fran has fast. defense is pretty fast. They are they it are is. pretty fast. It I, is. I just tend to believe that Tyreek Hill is on another level. But I do agree. I think they can find – I think they have good um, – they have a good defensive coordinator that's going to be able to find some ways to kind of uh, relatively bottle Tyreek Hill in to the best yeah. they can. But basically what I'm trying to say is I don't, I don't see Tyreek Hill only having like um, – Four catches for 30 yards Mm -hmm. for the whole game. I think he's going to get close to 100 yards. I think probably around 80. And uh, you got to find they got to find a way to stop Travis Kelsey. Yeah. But I guess the biggest surprise: watch out for a big game by Sammy Watkins, (laughs) Nathan's guy. What I want to hear. Uh, My goodness. By Sammy Watkins. I think Sammy Watkins will get two touchdowns Ugh. with – I think he'll get like maybe like seven catches for um, 95 yards and two touchdowns. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Nathan has been a Sammy Watkins fan but in, has drafted him in our fantasy league for the past two years and has – Underperformed mightily over the past two years. To say the least. 
So, Sammy Watkins has put me in the doghouse several times throughout the, the past couple of years, and for him to have a huge Super Bowl performance would only be the cherry on the top of the <laughs> Okay, game. I think for me to just finish up, uh, Kansas City has the edge on offense. Defensive-wise, um, San Francisco does have the edge, but I think in the end, uh, the Chiefs are going to make uh, the plays, is going to make enough plays to put the game away. All right. And so I think it's going to be Chiefs. Chiefs? Winning. Uh, my prediction will be actually 35 to 20. 35 to 20. Ooh. So that's it's not that's not a that's not a close gap. That's I know. actually that's, that's pretty solid. Three touchdowns. Two, t- two and a half touchdowns. Two and a half touchdowns. So Powell's got the Chiefs winning pretty convincingly. Yeah. That well, should be interesting. It's gonna, okay. For, I guess what I should I should have started out with is that for like maybe it's gonna for the majority of the game it's going to be close. Yeah. But when it's time to shine. The Chiefs are going to turn on that switch, That's and they're going to take it to another notch and make like two uh, critical touchdowns to put, put the game away. They have proven throughout the postseason that they're more than capable of doing that. That's been basically what they have done throughout this entirety of this postseason. So I could definitely see that happening. Samir, what are your predictions for for the game to see this? Uh, uh, I like to go topsy turvy on this and. I mean, it's still going to be probably like a 50 total points scored, so I'm yep, still thinking. Yep. Uh, uh, before, um, as uh, Samir is thinking, the last thing I want to say is the reason I think the Chiefs will win is that San Francisco won. I think they will get back to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Very impressive from where they were uh, a couple years ago. And two, I just think it's the Chiefs' time. It's been a long time, and I think it's you don't know how many chances Andy Reid is going to get on winning a Super Bowl. It's very true. That's right. That's one of the many reasons why I'm picking the Chiefs. So, like I was saying, I'd be, uh, I'm going to actually pick the 49ers here. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a close game. I'm going to say 31-27, but it's going to be a hard-fought game because, like we said, the de- it's a, the unstoppable force meets an immovable object, yep. the famous cliché, unstoppable force being the Kansas City Chiefs, immovable object being the 49ers defense, and, we, and also the... We also have to talk about the other side of the field with the 49ers offense versus the Kansas City defense. Mm-hmm. De- I mean, the Kansas City's defense did come to play against the uh, Titans, as we saw, as the uh, as uh, Derrick Henry only rushed for like seven yards after halftime. That's right. That's so they right. totally in, uh, pre- uh, stopped, prevented the uh, run defense and uh, run offense from going getting going with the Titans and. I don't think it was a threat even in the first game uh, against the uh, against the uh, Texans. The running game. Oh, the Chiefs running game yeah. wasn't really. No, no, no. The uh, Texans running game against oh, the Chiefs. Oh no, there was non-existent. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that could be a, a key uh, point there. And so my excitement may be Chris Jones because he's yeah. now hundred percent should be hundred percent healthy or as healthy as he can be. I was gonna say I was wondering if he. Ready to, uh, because play. he only he played limited snaps, only third right. uh, third down uh, plays he played in the uh, uh, previous game. And then the same goes for Tevin Coleman because he suffered an injury and his yep. status right. is. But I think they'll bottle him up, yeah. or he'll be limited because of the injury. Right. Therefore, it's going to be uh, Mostert's t- uh, time to shine again. Yeah. But after a game that uh, Mostert had 
replicate yeah but I don't, yeah he will get the starting nod but he won't replicate he will not even come close is what i'm thinking yeah but he still has should have the chance to get yeah the yeah he is but i'm saying the chiefs uh, uh run defense will be the key yeah. factor with uh chris jones being my x factor yeah. and but okay. regardless uh i still have the uh, 49ers winning i think uh uh, Nick Bosa will have a coming out day with yes. uh, two sacks of uh, Mahomes of because like I believe uh, was it the 49ers uh, guy there was one defensive player who said the sacking trying to sack Russell Wilson was like try, trying to chase a, a, a chicken was, uh, that, yeah. I think yeah I think that was a Packers player I think it was probably I think, so. I think it was Preston Smith but like likewise I think uh uh, Nick Bosa will have his hands full trying to uh, tackle um, Patrick Mahomes, and I think he'll get two sacks eventually. And that's why I think the 49ers will win on their defense, uh, uh, allowing only, I'm uh, let's see, uh, six points after halftime. Six points, man. And therefore, the, they'll win 31-27. Now, I wonder if we'll hear from Frank Clark. Uh, about the game because he did uh, say about Derrick Henry, oh, no, it's not that tough. Or like <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, right? And he, the Chiefs were able to back it up. That's true. That's true. They they have proven that when necessary, they can stop the run. Yeah. Which is obviously the big thing here. Now, that being said, I have my predictions as well. So offensively, I have Patrick Mahomes going 36 for 48, 363 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. I also have him rushing uh, six times for 45 yards. He's going to be a he's going to have a huge game. Tri, uh, Tyreek Hill, I've got him six receptions for 115 yards, one TD. Travis Kelsey, I've got seven receptions, eight, 87 yards, one TD. Uh, Sammy Watkins, zero receptions, zero yards. <laughs> he's going to be a no show. He's, he's going to be a no show. Uh, Nicole Hardman. Fantasy's over, you know. <laughs> but then again, I'm bringing stuff up from fantasy on my losses, so it's scary. Yeah, this is part personal for me. So, uh, Nicole Hardman, three receptions, 67 yards. And I do believe the X factors for the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be Damian Williams, the running back. Can he catch out of the backfield and can he get those third down runs if necessary, whether it be third and two? Can he be a factor other than Patrick Mahomes just in case this defense is, is set for Patrick Mahomes and is able to uh, relatively lock him down? Can Damian Williams make the plays? And then on the defensive side of the ball is Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew is a roamer. He plays in both the run and, and the pass. I'm going to be really curious to see how much of an effect he can have on the game because if they do shut down the run, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to make some big big uh, pass, uh, passes, which he's been able to do, which he's shown he's been able to do in the postseason. Can Tyron Matthew be on the backside of that defense to defend against that um, and do the Rome, do the Rome, be the roaming safety that he has been throughout the year? Those are my two X factors for the Kansas City Chiefs. On the San Francisco 49ers um, side, I have Jimmy Garoppolo going 20 for 27, 254 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Rasheem Mostert, I have 25 rushes for 105 yards and a touchdown. Tevin Coleman, I think, will have about 10 to 12 uh, rushes. I will say about 50 to 60 yards. And then Matt Breida, I think, will have six rushes, 24 yards, and a TD. I do think they're going to give him one one of those touchdowns because he, he was really good last year. I think they want to um, to afford him the opportunity to score in the Super Bowl. Um, and then George Kittle, I think, will have a monster game, eight receptions, 115 yards, huh. and a touchdown. 
I think Debo Samuel will also have a good game with six receptions, 93 yards. He's going to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get most of his uh, production from those two players, in my opinion. The two X factors for the 49ers are going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Can Jimmy Garoppolo make those big plays? Super Bowl playoffs, they're still different. The Super Bowl is the game. This is the this is for all the marbles. Can Jimmy Garoppolo come through in the clutch on third downs and finish off the game strong? He's the um, my X factor on that side of the ball, and then my X factor on the on the 49ers side of the ball is really or the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers. I know the secondary is going to do well. I know the defensive line is going to do fairly well. Can the linebackers hold up in both the run and the pass, especially against a guy like Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams coming out of the backfield? They're going to really need to hold their hold their own versus the uh, versus the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to be my X factor for the defensive side of the ball. All that being said, my prediction for the Super Bowl. I have the San Francisco 49ers winning this game. I think defensively, they're going to be very solid against um, Patrick Mahomes. I think they're going to be prepared. They've got good veterans, a good mix of veterans, as well as young players. They play so fast that they bottle up just about anybody they face against. They're so deep on the defensive side of the ball. They remind me a lot of the New York Giants in terms of defensively, um, in terms of what they're able to do on the front, front side in terms of their Super Bowl years. Um, they just seem like they're ready for this. And then, obviously, they have a great running game and really good offensive line, and Jimmy Garoppolo makes the plays necessary. So I think that the 49ers will end up winning this game 28-24 to is my final score prediction. should be a fun and, and exciting game. Um, but, yeah, it's, I've got the 49ers winning it. Uh, anybody last thoughts before we move on to our um, Hall of Fame inductees? Hey, I don't mind going alone. I don't mind being the the lone wolf and picking the Chiefs. <laughs> hey, I mean, listen, it's I anyone's game, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's up in the air. I don't think this but is going to be a blowout. We never know, though, because remember the game between the uh, Broncos and the Seahawks, and that was a blowout yeah. from the get-go. So true. It's, it's, it's very true, and it's the reason why I give the edge to the 49ers because defense is what, what created that. So, but I mean, anything is is possible. That's very possible. I think it's going to be a, a competitive game. Although um, one so guy, it should be fun. I think one guy you probably forget to you forgot to mention. I could be wrong, but did you mention Kendrick Bourne? No, nope. no, did not mention because him. that's one of Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite targets. Like he yeah. he at least gets a touchdown from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo right. each game. So that's another X factor to look out for. It's a good mm-hmm. choice. It's a good X, X factor choice. So we're going to go ahead and move on to, we've got two categories for NFL. We have both our Hall of Fame inductees as well as um, some of our NFL awards of the year. Um, we'll start with our NFL awards um, because that happened just this past year. Um, guys, what's your coach of the year, your G- executive of the year? It doesn't have to be GM. Offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year, your comeback of the year, and of course your MVP. Uh, we'll start with Samir first because uh, we start with Powell last. Sure. Yep. So my pick for, uh, let's see, we'll start off with the uh, executive of the year since I'll probably be one of the first awards for the NFL Honors Show, which airs every Saturday right before the day before the Super Bowl. And so executive of the year, you have nominees like uh, Eric DaCosta, the Ravens. Uh, GM John Lynch for the 49ers, Brandon Bean for the Bills, John Robinson for the Titans, uh, Mike Mayock for the Raiders with his uh, 
what he did in the offseason, uh, John Snyder of the Seahawks, and Brian Gutenkust for the uh, Packers. My pick, I think it will be uh, Eric DaCosta. It's I had a it was a, I was thinking between uh, him or uh, Mike Mayock because of what uh, he did with the getting all those laying on those first round draft picks. And but uh, Eric DaCosta, he they swung a big uh, early season trade for Marcus Peters, and they landed several uh, key players during the season and before the season, like with. Uh, Earl Thomas and whatnot, and they right. had the best regular season record. Right. I mean, remember, these awards are based on regular season play only as they tabulate and calculate all these uh, votes before the playoffs even started. Right. So uh, ideally you would pick someone like uh, John Robinson of the Titans because of how far they went, but I'm picking, uh, in this case, uh, Eric DaCosta for uh, Executive of the Year. Coach of the Year, I'm sticking with the Ravens. I'm picking with John Harbaugh because of the uh, – or is it Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh? John, John, John right. John. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, there are other nominees like Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers, Sean McDermott with the uh, Bills. Yeah. And um, Andy Reid with the uh, Chiefs, uh, Sean Payton with the uh, with Saints. So all these playoff teams, Mike Vrabel too. So my toss-up was between, again, Mike Vrabel and John Harbaugh. Yep. But again, this is based on regular season, and I think uh, John Harbaugh deserves because how he used analytics and whatnot to inspire them to get the best regular season record. Good choice. And then uh, moving on, we have uh, Offensive Player of the Year. This is normally uh, dedicated to sometimes a quarterback, but most times than not, it's the non-quarterback skill players. Right. So you have players like Michael Thomas, who is the best receiver by far, uh, Christian McCaffrey and uh, Derrick Henry were both uh, hand-in-hand with two of the best running backs in the league. Uh, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and then you also have Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and even Aaron Jones. My pick, I, it's kind of like a, not not like a homer pick because of fantasy pick. It's Christian McCaffrey because of his uh, uh, excellent performance. He's basically, like in fantasy, doubled the next best uh, running back in terms of uh, performance. Uh, Travis uh, and Derrick Henry may get the nod, but I still think uh, Christian McCaffrey is my pick for offensive player. Defense, uh, defensive player. There are lots of nominees for this one too. Yeah, Nick Nick Bosa for the 49ers. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, the excellent cornerback for the uh, Patriots. Uh, go J- T.J. Watt also with the, mm-hmm. the Steelers. Steelers yep. Aaron Donald, who's the like defensive player of the year for like two or three years running. <laughs> Chandler Jones, quietly the veteran who has one of the most sacks. Yeah, 19 sacks, quietly, I want to say. And Minka Fitzpatrick, who turn, turned around a terrible uh, the Steelers secondary into the, one of the best. But I'm going with the shutdown corner and Stephon Gilmore. I don't remember the last time a cornerback or defensive secondary player won it, uh, defensive player of the year. But Stephon Gilmore, Gilmore was by far the best among the other cornerbacks uh, and uh, secondary players compared to every other player in in, uh, in their position. Gilmore, yeah. Bill, now current Patriots. Yep, right. Stephon Gilmore, and then. Uh, we're going to go to offensive rookie and defensive rookie uh, nominees are Kyler Murray for offensive rookies, uh, Josh Jacobs, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Redskins own, uh, Devo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf. This is actually very tough for me because 
I mean, Kyler Murray did good, but he wasn't that great. And Josh Jacobs kind of uh, tapered off after his hot start. Yeah, because of injuries. A.G. Brown, uh, on the other hand, was the exact opposite. He had a really slow start and suddenly like exploded towards the postseason. But remember, this is only uh, regular season awards. Uh, Terry McLaurin was banged up but did really well, but he wasn't the best, I would say, for offensive rookie. Debo Samuel, kind of the same way of like A.J. Brown, and then D.K. Metcalf. I think D.K. Metcalf was the one that was most consistent, and so that's why that's my pick, the receiver for the uh, Seahawks, the third-round pick. And then for defensive rookie, there's uh, Nick Bosa, Devin Bush from the Steelers, uh, Josh Allen, not the quarterback, but the uh, (laughs) defensive end for the – or linebacker for the uh, Jaguars. Uh, Max Crosby for the uh, Raiders, uh, Devin White uh, for the uh, Bucks, and Juan Thornhill for the uh, Chiefs. Yeah, this is a no-brainer. I'm yeah. just going on and on. It's Nick Bosa. He's going to get the award. No-brainer. Yeah, yeah. I would be shocked. Oh, to not Thornhill. Right, right. Not Thornhill. Really? Not Max Crosby. Yeah. Are you sure? People are saying, like, even like hardcore Ra- Ra- Raiders fans are saying Max Crosby is as good as Nick Bosa, but Stop it's it. they. <laughs> He only had one good game against the uh, lowly Bengals where he had, like, right. four sacks. Right. He's good, but not that yeah. good. He's not that good, let's be real. And then, uh, uh, lastly, before I go to my MVP, is comeback player. You have uh, Ryan Tannehill, who was uh, basically a cast-off from the Dolphins. Yep. Darren Waller, a cast-off from the Ravens, now with the uh, Raiders. Earl Thomas, who had a leg injury, broken leg with the uh, Seahawks, played well with the Ravens. Cooper Cups, uh, torn ACL with the uh, Rams, did well uh, afterwards uh, with the Rams this year. Dalvin Cook, same kind of deal, torn ACL. And Travis Frederick, who came from a, what was it? A, back injury. A, was, a, was it a back or that was a heart it was, injury? It was like or, uh, a heart, heart problem, heart condition. Yeah. Because I, I thought it had something to do with back. No, I think he had like some sort Regardless, of like yeah, it was, yeah, it was some like uh, blood, uh, some sort of problem with his like uh, heart or whatever medical condition, so he had to take a, le- a year of ab- long absence, and so uh, he had Gillian Barr syndrome. Yeah, Gillian Barr syndrome. So it's very difficult. Can leave you paralyzed and whatnot is what I believe, and so despite Ryan Tannehill's success in the postseason and. Uh, Cooper Cup wasn't that good towards the end of the season. Uh, Dalvin Cook was pretty solid. But my pick is the heroic pick is uh, Travis Frederick because of what he had to go through. Mm-hmm. And lastly, MVP, uh, it's Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, nominees, uh, Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry. MVP award is going to Lamar Jackson because this is based on regular season. If this was uh, based oh, on... Derrick Henry got robbed. <laughs> no. <laughs> it would be, yeah. If, if you included playoffs, yes, it would be Patrick Mahomes or Derrick Henry. But my pick is uh, Lamar Jackson. It was a, yeah. That's a no. That's a no. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, for me, I'm just going to get out of the way. Lamar Jackson is the MVP. All right. Because he just showed throughout the season that uh, he was one of the best players in the NFL during the regular season. So I wanted to get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, for... Executive, executive of the year. Um, I'm actually going to go with John Lynch because mm. this is a guy who had no experience in becoming an NFL general manager. True. And um, first two years uh, with uh, Kyle Shanahan, he hired Kyle Shanahan. Yep. And the first two years were not good for San Francisco 49ers, but this the third year, which was this past this past season, they're now the Super Bowl. Yep. 
And again, this is from a guy that had no experience of being an, a, a general manager anywhere in the NFL. And he, they hired him, I think, while he was on the uh, commentary booth. Yep, exactly. Yeah, with so Fox. That's my uh, executive of the year. Uh, coach of the year, I'm going to agree with Samir. I'm going to go with John Harbaugh because uh, he's just been there for so long. And he, the fact that he still has this uh, team, he still has the Baltimore Ravens winning at a consistent level, mm. despite a couple down years, but he's, throughout his tenure, they're winning at a consistent level. They're a playoff team. And, of course, coaching Lamar Jackson when a lot of people had doubts about Lamar Jackson. Right. Proving that oh, this guy can play quarterback. And we've seen, we've seen what happened this season. Mm-hmm. Comeback player of the year. This was tough for me. It was either – for me, it was either Ryan Tannehill or Dalvin Cook. Because Dalvin Cook um, – was injured throughout 2018 and then 2019 for a full season. You get to see what type of back Dalvin Cook can do and can play. No, you see the type of back that Dalvin Cook is, is in yeah. the NFL if, should he stay healthy. Right. But then when you got Ryan Tannehill, he took over. He left Miami to go to the Tennessee Titans, I think, in a trade. Yeah, in the offseason. Yep. In the offseason. And he was supposed to be the back with the Marcus Mariota. And then, week seven, Mike Rabel made the switch to Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan, Ryan Tannehill took the ball and ran with it. Yep, sure did. Actually, he threw with it, but yeah, we get the picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, leading from basically taking over the starting quarterback job and leading the Tennessee Titans to the conference champion, the AFC championship game. So it was kind of tough for me, but. If I have to pick one, comeback player of the year, normally I, I would go with guys that have been injured. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook. Mm. I, again, this is very tough. I was gonna, I originally was going to go with Ryan Tannehill. Yep. But I decided to go with Dalvin Cook because with comeback player of the year, this is normally people that, yes, have down seasons like a Ryan Tannehill, but it's mostly people that have been injury-prone. and Not necessarily injury-prone, but just been injured or – have some sort of setback. True. And, and like and true. And Dalvin Cook, uh, throughout his rookie year, middle of the rookie year, torn ACL. And then twenty eighteen he had to come back from the ACL and then deal with a hamstring a lot. So that's why I'm picking Dalvin Cook. He's shown mm-hmm. uh he's shown that he had a great season and what type of back that the Minnesota Vikings drafted him to be. Yeah, definitely. Defensive rookie of the year. I'm not going to explain any. I'm not going to go too much in depth. It's Nick Bosa yep. because he just shown why he's just a dominant defensive player. And as I mentioned in the past few episodes, he is very fast, yep. causing a defense. lot of penetration. And because of that, his play also benefits guys like the fourth Buckner and an Eric Armstead and others in that front seven. Right. So Nick Bosa's defensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie. Mm. This was a tough one for me, too. This is very tough because, like I said, like Samir said, Kyler Murray was good, but he wasn't spectacular like a Patrick Mahomes. And this is just tough. And you had Josh Jacobs for fantasy, so you know. And he came through for me, but he got hurt. Yeah. So, Debo Samuel's been. Very solid throughout yeah. the year, too. He is. Uh, if I have to pick one, oh, I'm going to go uh, the same as Samir Medcalf, uh, consistency. Because with uh, with these awards, you ha- you want to see consistency. Mm-hmm. 
and spectacular performances. And that's uh, what you see in Metcalf, consistent performance. Defensive player of the year, I was debating where to pick uh, Stefan Gilmore, TJ Watt. Hmm. Uh, but I'm going to go with Stefan Gilmore. As Samir said, um, shut down corner. He's playing at a high level. Um, I don't know if it's close to the level of Darrell Revis in uh, Revis's prime, but it's close. It's very close. Very close. It's very close. So, and if you don't see a lot of shutdown corners. And when you yeah. have one, um, it is spectacular. It is. So I'm going to go with Stefan Gilmore. And then offensive player? This was tough. It was, either, it was either Michael Thomas or Christian McCaffrey. Because Michael Thomas broke some records. Yes, he did. <laughs> this is after getting a new contract. Right. And then Christian McCaffrey also broke records. He became the third uh, running back in NFL history. He, no, he became the – no. Christian McCaffrey became third player in NFL history to finish with over 1,000 rushing yards and receiving yards mm-hmm. behind Roger Craig. And Marshall Falk. And Marshall Falk. Yep. <laughs> That's very tough, but if I have to pick one, ooh, I gotta go with McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. I like Michael Thomas, I really do. But uh, McCaffrey's uh, this past season, McCaffrey was on a on a whole nutter level. It was hard. It was hard to stop this. It was hard for defenses to stop this guy. Yeah. Despite having Cam Newton into Kyle Allen into Will Greer, yep. three different starting quarterbacks. It's crazy. And Christian McCaffrey still had one of the, I guess, one of the best seasons of his career so far. And I can't wait to see uh, more of that. Please stay healthy. I don't want you to retire like Luke Keekley did, although <laughs> we understand why Luke Keekley had to retire. Yeah. And. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, Coach of the Year, I think. Yeah, you said uh, Coach of the Year was Harbaugh. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you covered it all. So, uh, Nathan, your picks? Yep. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and go through mine. I have Coach of the Year to um, is going to be Sean McDermott. For me, I believe Sean McDermott was the best coach it's, it, based off of the team that he, that he got. I mean, when you talk about somebody who took his team and stretched it with, with what he got, the Buffalo Bills, where they were last year and the previous years, he has coached his team up to be a very solid team. They came close to winning their, their first playoff game in a long time, but he really coached his team up. Josh Allen he coached him up really well, um, and he, this team was solid throughout the year. So that's my coach of the year. Obviously, Bill Belichick, Matt LaFleur, Andy Reid, John Harbaugh are all honorable mentions. John Lynch is my GM of the year. I think he did a fantastic job with the 49ers, both drafting um, as well as free agency. Um, he's, he's really um, built up one of the best defensive lines in the league. Um, as well as just an overall great offensive line. Um, he's built up the both sides of the ball. Richard Sherman was a great pickup for him, um, where a lot of people thought he was Richard Sherman was done. Um, he wasn't going to fit on another team. Um, that was a great pickup for John Lynch. Eric DaCosta was my runner-up for that. And then player, uh, offensive player of the year for me is Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has been dominant throughout the year, and it's hard to say that for a receiver, but he's exactly the game in a way that um, I haven't seen in a long time. With over 149 receptions, most in the 17, NFL, most in the NFL, in a single season, 1700 passing or receiving averages, also most in the NFL. He has been unstoppable. Um, it's been amazing to see, and I think he had the highest. Um, uh, uh, catch to drop ratio um, also in the NFL 
He's just been. Or don't you mean lowest uh, drop ratio or highest? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> lowest or yeah, lowest. I guess lowest ratio. I guess or lowest percentage of drops yeah. compared to catches. Um, he's just been phenomenal this year. You could say Derrick Henry. You could say um, other guys too. There's several other guys you could talk about, but Michael Thomas is it for me. Defensive player of the year. I had a first step on Gilmore. Um, um, but I changed my mind to Chandler Jones. And the reason mm. why is not only 19 sacks, which is um, second um, in the NFL, um, but he's also had eight forced fumbles, which is tied for first. That's When you think about that, it's crazy. He also has five pass deflections, which is pretty amazing for a defensive end. This guy has been phenomenal for the Cardinals. He's kept them in many games, honestly, just him by himself, considering the injuries on, this, on that side of the ball. Um, he's been fantastic for the Arizona Cardinals, um, and I think he deserves the defensive player of the year. Um, but Stephon Gilmer has also had a great year. My comeback player of the year is actually going to be a surprise to most. Um, it's not Travis Frederick, even though I think he definitely would be deserving of it. Um, and it's not um, some of the other guys, Ryan Tannehill, that we we mentioned. It's actually Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden hmm. has come back over previous seasons where he's either been injured. People have kind of counted him out and never thought he would get back to the point where he was a Pro Bowl cornerback. But if you look at his numbers for this year, it's tied for fourth in interceptions with five interceptions. He's also tied for fourth in pass deflections with 17 pass deflections. He's got 59 solo tackles on the year, which is great for a, for a cornerback. He has propelled himself back to that Pro Bowl level cornerback, even after over 11 seasons in the in the NFL. Um, he's also been a huge contributor to that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Um, he's really turned it around, been a comeback player of the year for me, based off of, of many things that have happened within the past three or four years in his life. Um, so that's my comeback player of the year. And then offensive rookie of the year is actually Kyler Murray for me. Kyler mm. Murray's had over 3,700 yards this season. Solid season. 20 touchdowns. That's not including some of the, his running statistics. And he's the reason <laughs> that the Arizona Cardinals have been in a lot of games this year against solid teams, too. He's kept them in a lot of games. He's, he's come back on a lot of teams because of his play. So Kyler Murray, to me, has had the most offensive impact of any of these rookies, um, aside from maybe I would say Josh Jacobs. But um, I think he's been the most impact. DK Metcalf, obviously, has had a fantastic year, but there's been other receivers around him. Um, Debo Samuel has had a very good year, but George Kittle, I would say, is the number one um, uh, receiver there, also with a great running game. But you can definitely say Kyle Murray was the number one option on offense. So that's the reason why I give him Offensive Player of the Year. And I don't even have to mention the off, the obvious rookie defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. Yeah, that's and a no-brainer. It's definitely Lamar Jackson. Phenomenal season for him. And so we're going to go ahead and move on to our Hall of Fame inductees. Um, we have several finalists. 15 um, in total. We have 15 in total. We have Steve Atwater, um, Torrey Holt from the uh, St. Louis Rams, Troy Palomalo of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tony Boselli. Steve Hutchinson, um, longtime Minnesota Viking, Richard Seymour, a longtime New England Patriot, Isaac Bruce, longtime St. Louis Rams, Edrin James, longtime Indianapolis Colts, running back to Peyton Manning, Zach Thomas, uh, Leroy Butler, John Lynch, um, one of my favorite safeties of all time, Reggie Wayne, great receiver for Peyton Manning. He's got a teammate Edrin James also on that list. Alan Fanica, one of the best. Uh, center slash guards um, the league has seen um, of all time. Sam Mills and Bryant Young um, are also on the Hall of Fame ballot. So what are you guys' is inductees for this year's Hall of Fame? 
I'm just all right. So you're five. Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, no brainer for me. Number one, Troy Palomalu. Yes. He's one of the greatest safeties I've seen. I have seen, and I still remember uh, fourth and one, Steelers against Ravens, and Flacco going for a QB sneak, and Palomalu just him. jumped over and tackled him. <laughs> On another level. And I remember uh, the pick six that he got against the Ravens in the AFC Championship game in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Yep. That was crazy. That was crazy. Um, number two, I'm going to go Alan Fanica. He was a terrific uh, guard slash center. Although I think he played guard most of the Yeah, guard yeah. mainly. Most of his career. Mainly. Uh, number three, um, I got to go with Atwater. Uh, Steve Atwater from yeah. the Broncos? Yeah. Yeah, he was a great. He was a great. Uh, he was a great uh, defensive player at his position. At safety, yeah. Yep. Hard hitting safety. Yep. Mhm. Number four, it's tough. I have to add a receiver, but going with Isaac. Yeah, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Reggie Wayne. It's a tough list. It, oh, tough list. It, it really is a tough list. All of these guys should be in it, but yeah. if I have to pick one. Oh, I'm gonna have to go. And the thing is, if you're going to pick uh, Isaac Bruce, you're going to have to pick Tory Holt or vice versa because you can't pick one without the other. Yeah. Is my feeling. Yeah, but I can't. It's hard to leave Reggie Wayne out. True. Um, I'm just going to do it. Isaac, Bru- Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt. The greatest show on turf. Man, was it hard to stop that offense. Tell me about it. Although, yeah. the New England Patriots found a way to stop them in the Super Bowl. Yes, they did with defense. Yep. They have one of those players there on the ballot um, who contributed to that. Yep, but um, those are my five picks for now. Um, those are my five picks, and we're going to find out uh, which is true and which is which is not true. Yep. yep. And so my five are, are like, some of them are the same. Uh, I have... Uh, also, Troy Polamalu, it's a no-brainer because of his how well he played the, the that uh, free safety, strong safety position. He was all around the ball wherever he could be, intercepting passes left, right, and center. He, he was a Sean Taylor-level hitter. Oh yeah. <laughs> With range like Darren Woodson, just incredible. Yep. Uh, so, unfortunately, I'm only going to put one safety there, and that's him. So, no Atwater. More John Lynch. Yeah, or John Lynch. It's close. I would uh, between yeah. oh, uh, Atwater yeah, and Lynch. John Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think yeah, Paulo Malu was heads above those two. Uh, my second pick and third pick are both actually the Rams uh, receivers, like Paulo mentioned. You can't have one without the other, so I'm including both. That leaves me with two picks. One is going to be an offensive lineman. As much as uh, uh, Alan Franco is such a good, great success for the Steelers' run game and pass uh, pass blocking, allowing uh, people like Jerome Bettis to run for however many yards and however many, however many touchdowns. I'm going to go with uh, uh, Steve Hutchinson because he was a uh, one of the best uh, uh, Guard. guards of all time. He played with the uh, with the Vikings, with Favre, and also played with the Seahawks and allowed uh, Sean Alexander to run wild. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to be my fourth pick. And my fifth pick is actually an unsung player that deserves more merit. Zach Thomas, the middle yeah, linebacker. Absolutely. Everyone says, oh, Warlacker is one of the greatest. Uh, uh, same with Ray Lewis and uh, 
the those kind of players. But Zach Thomas puts up uh, just as good, if not better, numbers for probably not as great uh, Pete uh, Dolphins team, but. He was gr- a great uh, inside linebacker for the Dolphins for many, many, many years. Played along with Sean, uh, Jason. Jason Taylor, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, those are my five. Your- and so, yeah, I would pick, like, say, my honorable mention uh, would be um, Reggie Wayne and uh, John Lynch. And uh, you could say Alan Fenneca, too, but... Yeah, those are my five. Steve good Hutchinson. choices. Steve Hutchinson is a good choice. It's just, in my prediction, I don't see the uh, Hall of Fame going with two guards. So that's why, I had to, for my for me, I had to pick one. Just one. That's a tough choice if you're picking between Alan Fanica and Steve Hutchinson. Yeah, those true. guys are all-timers. Um, so, but good choices in general. There's two other players, I believe, Simeon Rice and Fred Taylor, that are also on the ballot. If I remember, um, I know I don't know if you guys know that too, mm-hmm. but just wanted to mention that as well because we don't necessarily see their names on this um, on this list right here. No, I think it's but just these fifteen. It's not Simeon Wright because it's three, six, nine. This fifteen. Yeah. I thought Simeon Wright and Fred Taylor made. It. No, I right. don't think so. Okay. They, they missed the cutoff. I'm, I was looking at the I guess Ooh. the wrong list then. So, um, but either way, um, those weren't my top five, anyways. Um, my top five, obviously, Troy Palomalu for the reasons that we've said here. Um, and then I have Richard Seymour. Richard Seymour was an all-time defensive end. The thing with Richard Seymour was he can move in between the defensive tackle and defensive end spots. He could do both defensive end um, um, spots. He was kind of like a Swiss Army knife. But this guy was was solid for the Patriots. And the Patriots had top three defensive teams during those during those years with obviously several other great players, and they won multiple Super Bowls. And Richard Seymour was a huge part of that. He was their leading pass rusher during all those seasons. Um, So Richard Seymour gets my other nod on defense. And then I did have Alan Fanica, the center, um, also getting in. Um, I thought he was um, a fantastic offensive lineman. It's hard, Like I said, it's hard to choose between both him and Steve Hutchinson, but if I had to go with the um, one, it would be Alan Fanica. And then the two uh, Rams receivers um, would be my other guys on offense, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. Those guys were phenomenal along with Marshall Falk um, for several years. Um, Isaac Bruce, I mean, there's what can you say? You know, you had Torrey, Torrey Holt, who was the long catcher, and Isaac Bruce, who could do intermediate long catching. He was just they, – they're fantastic receivers, um, two, of the, two of the more dominant receivers um, in the league at that time. Um, so I think those will be my five choices. It's going to be tough because this is a great Hall of Fame mm-hmm. ballot. Um, once again, um, yeah, you several could, players yeah, who you are deserving. You could choose say, guys like Zach Thomas, like uh, like Samir mentioned, John Lynch, uh, Steve Atwater is a great choice. Um, there's so many other guys, um, Sam Mills, Brian Young, guys who all were fantastic players. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, who which five, because it's not like uh, yeah. past years where you had like a distinct five, like say like a Peyton Manning or like Kurt Warner or somebody that like stood out Ray compared Lewis. to the yeah Ray Lewis that stood out compared to the rest. Right. This all seems like to be like an elite level, but hard to distinguish between a top five and exactly. everyone else. Exactly. So it's it's tough. Um, but excited to see who will be the ultimate winners. Mm-hmm. But that's going to move us on to our 
big segment. Usually, it's usually in the middle of our podcast, and that's the birthday game. So yeah, Samir always needs our our birthday game. It's his Samir, favorite I'll go ahead game. Let you take yep. over from there. So we have. Let's see. Uh, I think we have uh, not as many birthdays as we did in uh, prior years. We have only six on the slate: three celebrities, three uh, players. And I, we're currently 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the year, so whoever wins this breaks the tie. First up, we have uh, the former Speaker of the House, was Mitt Romney's VP nominee in 2012, has since retired, Paul Ryan. So Nathan, we'll start off. Oh, man. I'm not good with politicians. Same here. So we'll suffer together. We'll suffer together. It was right. I'm going to guess, I know he's got to be up there, uh, so I'm, I'm he's relatively, right? Parents' age. Parents' age, yeah. Give or um, take a few years. Give or take a few years. I, I'm going to go I'm gonna go a solid 58. I, I, it was between 50s and 60s, but I'm going to go 58. 56. A little too high. Oh, uh, really? Where's my... Uh, I'll have to say bra for now. <laughs> I can't find my. Oh, there we go. He is 50 years old on the 50. dot. Man, really? big 5 0. Yep. Next I'm up. Close, man. Next up, we're going to go to Apollo. And this Spaniard, who has a more famous brother, but who has won multiple championships, he is currently on the Toronto Raptors, the center, Marc Gasol. Oh, he, had, Gasol. he was quite hairy when he first entered the league, but then he totally. Clean shaven, lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Now's the backup center for the Raptors or current center for the Raptors. How old is Marcus Gasol? He's up there. Yeah, he's up there. I think I know this one too. Mm. Yeah, on the Grizzlies, a number of years before going to the on other teams and then finally settling on the Raptors. I think I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to go 35. I was thinking 33, but maybe 35. I think it's 36. Please let me be right. Okay, follow thirty-five on the dot. Yes. I knew it was. I knew it was around mid thirties. I mean, younger than Kyle. I was like, at first it was going young. I was like, no, he's not that. No, he's not too young. So I was like. Mid thirties. Okay. okay, we're going to a different sport, one that starts up in two months. XFL. No baseball. Uh, two months. Yeah, yeah. Two months. yeah. That starts up in a XFL. Week. XFL. Yeah. Yeah. Week. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this uh, first baseman for the White Sox, current first baseman, uh, I believe he got re-signed or something recently, uh, but he's been really good for the team for a number of years. Jose Abreu. I'm actually surprised by this age. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I guess 33. Paolo, your turn. You can match, go up, go lower. Uh, I'm going to go with Nathan, 33. We have a tie. Man. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> 33. I thought he was much, actually much younger. Really? Oh, you thought he was like on the upper 20, 20s? Yeah, 28 yeah. or so. He does look young. I was gonna go mid 30s, but I was like, nah. Okay, we're gonna go to the opposite end of the end of the spectrum, and the one actor on this list, most known for his mustache, was on Friends as uh, Monica's boyfriend, Tom, Tom Selleck. Selleck. Huh. So, Paolo, you go first. Oh, he's up there. I know. That. Yep, opposite end. That's the biggest hint because he had a TV show. I believe it was uh, 
PI, ma, something ma, PI, Detective right. PI. That was way back in the 80s. <laughs> That's the biggest hint. Uh, Tom Selleck, I believe he is 75 years old. I'm going to match that. <laughs> you guys, another one on the dot. 75. So what is it now, the tally? 2-1 or no? Uh, it's 3-2. 3-2, two. Two. Two, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did we have three right for the first time in I don't know how long. Can you believe wow. it? <laughs> Next up, we're going to go to uh, the League of uh, Hockey. And this uh, uh, retired goalie played on the played on the Sabres from, and then played on multiple teams, actually, most notably the Sabres, from 1990 to 2008, Dominic Hasek. Mm. Last played in 2008. Right. But he's up there in age. Nathan won first last time, right? No, you got Tom Selleck, so now it's oh, Nathan's okay. turn. I don't know why I wasn't I'm going to guess he last played in 2008. But he played for like 18 years, yeah. 1990, 2008. So I'm going to guess 62. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up. I'm sorry. Let, I'm going to guess. Dominic Hasek. I'm going to guess 52, actually. Okay. Follow? I'll go 65. First one wrong in a while, unfortunately. He is 55. 55. Oh, man. So you're close, Nathan. And then last up is the uh, billionaire has her, her own channel, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey. That's her own network, actually, not just her own channel. Yep. Own. All right. Sorry, Oprah, but you are up there. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. I think she's 66. Nathan, want to go up or want to go lower? I want to match. I want to go Oprah. 70. I'm just going to go 70. So, Paolo, four wins. 66 nice. years old on the dot. Nice. So, nice. so, wow. So, you actually got four right, which is kind of surprising. So, what is this? Four, two, four, three? Four, two, you won. Because yep. you got two ties. Yep. Right. And so now you hold the the year-long tally at two, one, and one. Kudos, kudos to Paolo as he holds this the, the, the series uh, lead. Very good. Very, uh, very you good guys, match. Very good match. You li uh, listeners, um, you're not seeing this right now, but he's uh, seeding. <laughs> I'm not seeding. <laughs> I, I don't know where Paolo's getting that from, but it was a it's good a match. It's <laughs> I'm giving you your props, Val. Uh, you got to take it. I will. I just wanted to mess with you. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our NBA All-Star Reserves. As the All-Star game is coming up shortly, um, I, I'm going to be curious to see how that's going to be um, kind of presented this year. Yeah, um, with the... with all the proceedings that have happened. Yeah, death um, of Bryant. Death of Kobe Bryant. Um, so I'm going to be curious to see how they're going to do that, how they're going to honor that. Um, I've heard a lot of different uh, kind of ideas. Um, maybe everybody wearing both 8 and 24. Um, I've heard um, all, all different kinds of ideas. Everybody having Brian on the back of their jerseys. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. But let's go ahead and give our 14 reserves, seven on both on either side. You're going to give two guards, two big men. 
and three wild cards for each conference. Um, and yeah, let's let's go ahead and start out with Palo since he won um, in the uh, in the birthday, birthday game. game. We're gonna go ahead and uh, see who, who Palo has for the fourteen reserves um, for this year's All Star game. Okay. So first Eastern Conference. Um, I mean, yeah, if you want to start out with the Eastern Conference, that's fine. Yeah, Eastern Conference, um, Jimmy Butler. I actually picked Jimmy Butler to be a starter, but alas, wasn't, uh, did it happen. Mm -hmm. So, Jimmy Butler is a reserve, definitely. Yep, remember, he's a forward, not a a, uh, guard in this distinction. What, uh, Butler? Yeah. Interesting. So, that's one front court. Who else? Uh... Kyle Lowry. Yep, that's your one guard. Yeah, because uh, he's playing very well, despite not having Kawhi Leonard as his teammate anymore. Uh, oh man! As much as I want to put Bradley Beal in this one, I don't think he's making it. So, who's your second guard? Uh, I can't do it. I'm putting Beal. I'm uh, okay. giving him his props. I'm giving him his props. Somebody's got it. <laughs> Bradley Beal. Yeah. Yep. I was going to go Ben Sims. I was like, no, that means. <laughs> so you have two guard, two guards, one forward. You have yeah. one more forward and three wild cards. Uh, one more forward. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. He is a great yep, Celtic for this year. And now your three wild cards mean any position? Definitely Chris Middleton. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Middleton, because uh, unfortunately on the Wizards' expense, he scored 51 points with no Giannis out of the Kumpo. Right. Nicely said. He is very, very underrated. Yes, he is. Uh, this guy he needs a second more. Yep. This guy needs more recognition. Um, Bam Adebayo is my second wild card. Mm-hmm. And uh, was another. Was another one. Uh, you have one more player. Could be anyone. Unamas. Unamas. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, Domanis Sabonis. Ah, oh, the okay. uh, Indiana Pacers Indiana centers. Forward, yeah. yeah, forward center. He's very good. He I is. know he's uh, averaging like twenty and Again, ten. Like uh, Chris Middleton, he needs uh, he needs more recognition. And because he's playing in Indiana, that's yeah. part. Of, if he was playing, say, on the Lakers or say uh, another better team. I mean, he would get more recognition. Right. Well, now the six uh, seed uh, Pacers, yeah. they, they were at the three or four seed, but not anymore. They, and they will be getting a Victor Oladipo tonight for the first time That's this right. year. He's going to be making his big comeback. Yep. Had he been healthy, I would have definitely picked Victor Oladipo. All right, and Samir, what are your reserves? So my reserves, the two guards are uh, Kyle Lowry, like uh, Paolo mentioned, and uh, Ben Simmons. Because he's a star player, you can't discount uh, the fact that uh, how well he's been playing this year. Yeah, he's he is an all-star worthy uh, candidate. And next up is Jimmy Butler. He do, definitely deserves an all-star nod based on the performance that his Miami uh, Heat have been playing this year. As my one forward, the other forward being Demontis Sabonis, like we mentioned earlier. My three wild cards. One. This was actually kind of tricky because I have a series of players that I could name instead of these three. One is Zach Levine because it's the it's taking place in Chicago, right. so you have to give some love to the uh, uh, Bulls no matter how bad they're playing because they have like what ten players that are injured right now, yeah, at least, <laughs> including one uh, Zach Levine who's 
kind of injured, but uh, like uh, you have like, Otto Porter who's out indefinitely, no timetable to return. Yep. Laurie Markkinen is out for like several weeks, who has been their star forward. So yeah, that team is a mess, and yet I think he will get the nod. Jason Tatum is the other one, uh, like Paulo mentioned. It was tough between either him or his uh, teammate, uh, Jalen Brown. And then last is uh, Bam Adebayo as the uh, Heat, uh, heat uh, uh, teammate of uh, Jimmy Butler, and uh, he's a great forward in itself. He has tons of blocks. But it sucks. His range, too. Yeah, but it sucks that uh, there won't be any Kyrie Irving, I don't think, because uh, uh, he's been – yeah, I know. He has been playing much. Bradley Beal's my biggest uh, uh, shocker and uh, uh, honorable mention and not making the all-star team because of uh, injuries and because player. I mean, then again, I think it's the uh, coaches that vote for the uh, uh, reserves, but nevertheless, he may make it. I actually think he may make it instead of Levine, but I don't see it making other – I don't mind being the lone pick for Bradley Beal, but you you would think Bradley Beal will get more um you would Bradley Beal will get more recognition if he was on another team. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he's ninth. He was ninth in all in voting, fan voting, but he was like in the top five for both fans and uh, for both the uh, uh, coaches and uh, media and uh, players. Which, by the way, I'm not advocating Bradley Beal being traded. He is, yeah, he's not. He's staying here. I'm not advocating for that because this guy, the Wizards need him. Yeah, and there are a bunch of players that are deserve honorable mention, like uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who had uh, like an excellent start replacing uh, uh, Kyrie Irving, Fred Van Fleet, who played well again starting the year in place of uh, Kyle Lowry at times. Derek Rose has been an un- unsung, uh, really good player. He's been averaging like what, like eighteen points, over like 20, actually. oh really? Wow, yeah, over twenty points, and he's the sixth man for the uh, Pistons. Malcolm Brogdon, he's been kind of injured, too, for the Pacers. Devontae Graham, who had a hot start mm-hmm. beginning of the year for the Hornets. John Collins, he's, he had that 25-game suspension, but then came back to play well for the Hawks. Tobias Harris for the Sixers. Uh, Julius Randle, maybe, for the uh, Knicks. Andre Drummond, who's been basically been averaging, what, like 10 and 15 every, uh, or 20 and 15 every day. Yep. Nikola Vucevic, who, if he were on a better team, would get more merit than the uh, uh, Magic. Al Horford, too. But, yeah, I think those seven are the ones I want to pick. Simmons, Lowry, Butler, Sabonis, Levine, Tatum, and Adebayo. Good choices. Um, well, I think my seven starting out with the guards um, is going to be uh, Kyle Lowry as one. I think um, he's deserved um, at that spot. And I have Zach Levine as my other guard. Um, I think he's performed admirably for the Chicago Bulls, um, 25.9 points. And obviously, he's the hometown kid for this for this one. So I would have um, Zach Levine as the other guard. Um, Derrick Rose is my honorable mention. Um, I think he's played fantastic as a backup. I think he should be the starter. Um, and um, he's been keeping this team relatively afloat. But he won't make it? But he won't make it. No, this is an honorable mention. Um, for my forward, definitely Jimmy Butler. Um, I thought he should have been a starter, but it's kind of hard, obviously, with you know how you know the players that they have there at the forward positions. And then my other forward um, would probably be Demontis Sabonis. I think he's been the most consistent um, over over the year or over the year um, in several different ways. And then my center would be Andre Drummond. Actually, um, I think Andre Drummond has played fantastic for the Detroit Pistons. Um, he's having statistically um, in a, a fantastic year. Um, he's set records 
um, for rebounding in, um, in different parts of the year. Um, I think he should be recognized for that in some way, shape, or form. My three top wild cards would or be two wild cards, and because because Derrick Rose, I guess, would consider no because uh, there's actually two guards, two forwards, and three wild cards. So there's no center position. That's kind of oh, surprising. So yeah. Okay. So then, okay. So then, Andre Drummond's one of my wild cards. Yeah. Um, two others. Derrick Rose would have to be the other one. Um, and then I think my third. Eh, not because of performance, but because just simply because of fan rating would be Kyrie Irving. I mean, he's second. But then again, the I think it's the coaches who put the. Uh, yeah, but even reserves. even for coaches, that's he's True. still sixth, and and also for media, he's sixth. So I, it's very possible Kyrie Irving slips in. Also, this you know of what recently happened, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if Kyrie Irving's in there. Um, to, to participate in the All Star Game, I could see him see him getting in um, for that. I, I, in fact, I don't. It would be hard for them not to have him in there for this one. I would say. Um, so those are my eight. Um, I, had, uh, I had seven. They should be or seven. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kyle Lowry, Zach Levine, um, Kyrie Irving, Derrick Rose, Andre Drummond, um, uh, Jimmy Butler, and yeah, Demonte Sabonis, those were my seven. So let's go ahead and move on to the Western Conference, and we'll quickly give our seven, um, starting with um, Paolo first. All right. Um, for the guards, there is easy choices for me, and it's Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Um, for the forwards, it's a little tough, but um, my two would have to be Gobert and Jokic. I actually picked Jokic to be a starter, but... Um, He's gonna, but he's a reserve. And Rudy Gobert is a great uh, defensive player. Yeah. Yep. And when healthy, well, uh, he has been healthy. Well, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying when he stays healthy, mm-hmm. he's a great player. Um, now for wild cards, um, thankfully we have wild cards, so I can put Brandon Ingram in there. And then. Um, Oh yeah, three wild cards, right? Yep. Yeah. So you have two more. Um, definitely Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Mm. And one more. Thing is, this is the toughest. <laughs> I was gonna go with Devin Booker, but I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know about Devin Booker. Uh, um, I could go with. Um, so rookie there, um, in OKC, uh, Shaq. Uh, Shaq Gilgis Alexander. Well, Shaq Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, is he a rookie? I don't think. Or I don't know. Actually, I'm gonna, like I did with B, I'm gonna actually give love to uh, Devin Booker. So yeah. those are my, those are my wall. So those are my, my uh, reserves. Uh, Lillard. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Jokic, and then my wild cards are Brandon Ingram, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker. Good choices, good choices. Yep, my my uh, top four are pretty much the same. It's Damian Lillard. I mean, he ha- he's the best guard that's not a uh, MVP ca- uh, caliber talent. Mm-hmm. Followed by Donovan Mitchell. He's he has the most he has the most usage for the uh, Jazz and is the star guard for them. Also. Uh, Sticking with the same two centers with Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert. Wild cards, uh, Brandon Ingram because of his sensational season prior to uh, Zion Williamson's debut. Chris Paul because of his 
Everyone thought we would uh, have him traded to, say, like the Miami Heat or something midseason or something or the other. But he's been the, the leader for the, uh, for the Thunder and has been a uh, near uh, playoff team. And the, the last wild card to actually give me the toughest because I was thinking among Devin Booker, Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, who has had a hot uh, couple of weeks, uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Drew Holiday, C.J. McCollum, De'Aaron Fox, LaMarcus Aldridge, Chris uh, Chris Porzingis, but because of injury, not him. Carl Anthony Towns again, similarly, Hassan Whiteside, but no. None of these, not even Devin Booker, I'm saying Ja Morant Very as the wow. last one, even though he's a rookie. I think he'll make it because they want some star caliber player from... Not, not a bad choice. Yeah, I think Ja Morant may make it ahead of Devin Booker. I like it. I like it. It's a spicy pick. Um, for me, um, similar as well, um, we've got Damian Lillard as one of those guards, Donovan Mitchell as the other guard. Um, I also have Nikola Jokic um, and... Um, and uh, Rudy, uh, Gobert. Rudy Gobert as, as the um, other two. And then my three wild cards will be Brandon Ingram. Um, and I think the other two will be um, Devin Booker. I, I have to add Devin Booker in there. And I think Russell Westbrook um, will also be the other wild card um, as he's fourth in media rank and fifth in player rank. So I do believe that he will slip in there. Devin Booker, I think he will get in there because he's also fourth in media rank and fourth in player rank. Um, and I think, um, I think also based off of you know what's going going on with also Kobe, I also could see him on the on the team as well for that reason. Brandon Ingram has just been phenomenal um, for the Pelicans. Um, he's really elevated his game to an All Star level. He definitely deserves a spot there. Um, so those would be my third three wild cards. Um, do you have do you have something quickly to say, Paolo? I would have gone with Paul George, but the fact that he's been yeah he's been injured yeah. yeah 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 that pretty much uh, mm-hmm. took him out of the runnings for me. Yeah, I mean the same. If Carl Anthony Towns had been perfectly healthy, he would be definitely on there. Easily, easily, and I and I mean that's 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 what a lot of these players is what you're seeing how Kyrie Irving, like you guys say, Carl Anthony Towns, Paul George. Bradley Beal, yeah. Right, Bradley Beal. Otherwise, these guys would definitely be um, no, beyond the All Star. Um, but if Paul George had stayed healthy, would he have been a starter or most likely a reserve? He would be a reserve based on the. he a starter. I think he'd be a starter because he was an MVP candidate last year. I could definitely see him um, putting up um, pretty amazing numbers, um, even with Kawhi Leonard there. Um, I could see him possibly being a starter. It'd be it'd be difficult, but um, it's you would put him uh, ahead of uh, Kawhi Leonard, or um, because I mean, it's the, it's tough because yeah, because the lineup like is, said, uh, is LeBron obviously is number one. Yeah, you have Harden, Doncic, LeBron, right. Kawhi, and Anthony Davis. I so which I mean, he's I think he's like I said, he's is likely a reserve, but I could see him ahead of, of Kawhi because of the numbers mm-hmm. that he puts up. Um, and he was third in the MVP voting last year. I know Kawhi had a great end of the season postseason because, yeah. you know, he was MVP of the postseason. But it's not like throughout the regular season he was putting up the numbers that Paul George was putting up. So I think if you look at it from a pure, like, play standpoint during the season, I could definitely see Paul George ahead of Kawhi yeah, Leonard. Paul George was Even though up. I love Kawhi Leonard. Because mm-hmm. Paul George was putting up 40-plus points last season. Yeah, he was, he was wilding out last season. Could have definitely. Most people had him first halfway through the season um, in the MVP running. Um, so to see to see that obviously there's been a drop off. 
Um, you got um, me on that one. <laughs> to say the least. Um, some uh, quick NBA odds and ends. Uh, big, like Samir said earlier, Victor Oladipo makes his comeback um, um, today. Um, he should, he'll, he'll be playing. Who are they playing against, um, Samir? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking out at the moment. Uh, I got it. <laughs> Who are the Pacers uh, playing While you're tonight? doing that, uh, Quinn Cook is changing his number um, to 28 in honor of Gigi's number two jersey as well as Kobe's number eight. There's several other players who are also um, changing their numbers. Um, Dame details rush, uh, his trash talk between um, him and Rus- Russell Westbrook. If you want to uh, see that uh, or read that interview, you can go on Bleacher Report um, per The Athletic. Um, I think that's a good read. Um, do you have a call? Yeah. Uh, the Panthers are facing the Chicago Bulls in right. Indiana, and it's almost the end of the fourth quarter, 238 left, and the Bulls are winning 100 to 95. Oh, nice. Bulls are Very winning. Nice. That's wow. surprising. That's pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. So I wonder how many that. points uh, this guy has. Oladipo, yeah. Six. Oh. <laughs> Six points in, in, I guess, limited minutes. Uh, uh, TJ Warren scored 23 with uh, Sabonis scoring 12. Oh, wow. Not bad. Okay. And, and Sabonis has nine rebounds with three assists. Man. Okay. Go ahead, Bulls. Do what you got to do. Um, but um, also some other odds and ends. Um, really quick, um, it's reported that um, – the Kobe's helicopter lacked warning system, wasn't required by FAA. Um, just a couple of the things coming out in those reports. Um, and then also other NBA players like Spencer Dinwiddie changing his number from 8 to 26. Um, you can also see some of the interviews um, in regards to that as well. Um, but those are just kind of some of the odds and ends in the NBA um, going on. We're going to go ahead and finish out. I also want to mention also Zion yeah. Williamson has also been yeah. really good over the past week plus since he made his debut last week. It's been phenomenal. I'm, he had that uh, debut where he scored, uh, what, 17 points in three minutes, which right. was kind of insane. He was just shooting threes. With, he shot three three-pointers in, or in his entire career with Duke. He scored four, four three-pointers in that three-minute three span. Minutes, it was crazy. I mean, he was hitting them one after the other, and the the defense wasn't. They weren't picking up on it because they would just wait back and they would let sit back as three. if it was like a right. Ben Simmons type player. Even though he was obviously hot, like after the second one, you could tell him behind the crowd and everything like that. He was confident enough to take that shot. So I mean, yeah, he has been playing phenomenal. His field goal percentage is insane. Um, he's typically he's what you see of Zion getting those rebounds, putting back shots. He's been Phenomenal. That's a that's a great point, Samir. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and end it out with the Australian Open. Oh, there's been several upsets um, in the Australian Open. Um, people like Coco Goff, uh, Goff has gone down. Uh, Naomi Osaki has also gone down. Um, so let's go ahead and quickly go through that. Samir, I'll let you go yep. ahead and head off. Um, so, so right now we're into the semifinal rounds, basically the final four for both the men's and the women's side. Basically, everyone's knocked out, but eight players total. Uh, for the men, only the no, out of the known names, it's uh, Djokovic and Federer. Yep. The other side has uh, Dominic Thiem, the Aus- Austrian, I want to say, and uh, uh, Zarev, who's the uh, German. Seven, both are ranked in the top ten. Uh, Dominic Thiem ranked number five. He just beat Nadal last night in four sets. Right. And uh, Zarev... Uh, Won uh, yes, uh, yesterday as well against uh, uh, Stan Wawrinka, the uh, the Swiss player. 
So you have Zarev versus TM, and on the other side, you actually have Djokovic versus Federer, facing off actually at 3 a.m. Uh, tomorrow morning. Of course. But they always put the best matches at some crazy... No, 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 but the thing is, 3 a.m. for us... It's 7 p.m. there for uh, for them, so it's prime time for them. So that's why we're not going to be able to see it, but the Australians we're never, we're get to see it. Able to see the Australian Open. <laughs> but just quick uh, thought about the uh, Djokovic. Djokovic had an interview at the end, also honoring Kobe. Mm. Um, it was pretty touching just and to see kind of his reaction. And there was um, also yeah the the and other his, player his coach also one uh, was inducted into Hall of Fame that same day. So pretty mm. pretty wild day for him. Yeah, and there's also the other player, uh, Nick uh, Kirkos, who is yeah. from I believe either New Zealand or Australia, one of the two, and he actually came out onto the court yeah. wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey, yeah. and in the in the post game interview was wearing a different uh, Kobe Bryant jersey, seeing how wow. he was so influenced by him. You can see the impact, wide impact. Yep, and then on the other side for the women's, it's pretty much. Uh, all the big names have lost. Coco, yeah. Like you said, Coco Goff lost uh, in the no, fourth the round. Soccer. I actually watched that Coco Goff match. She just basically fell off a cliff come the second set because there was a point in that second in that second set. She won the first set, like 7-6. Mm-hmm. Second set, she was up, uh, I guess, two games to one. Yep. But in that fourth game on her serve, she committed two, three double faults and two unforced errors. And she didn't have anything going for her after that. Third set, she lost six love. So she just completely just bottomed out in the fourth set and fourth round. And so, yeah, unfortunately for her, she's only 15, but she, yeah, she has a long way she to. She is so young. She's got so yeah. many years ahead of her. And then uh, I, uh, Serena Williams actually lost to a Chinese lady uh, in the third round, which is also a big shocker because. Yeah. And I think that's uh, Serena's like eighth straight major where she hasn't won. I think so. Yep. So it's been a while it's since a while. Serena has hosted a title, Serena Williams. And there's no other notable female players, but one American, surprisingly, is in the Final Four. Yep. But she's against going against the world's number one right. in uh, Ash Barty, who's actually the country favorite because she's from Australia. Right. And then on the other side, you have Simona Halep, who's in the quarterfinals, won 6-1, 6-1. So she just demolished her opponent in the quarters, and she faces against the uh, Spanish player, you may have heard of her, Garbine Mugarosa, because I believe she defeated uh, Serena, I think, years ago in the Wimbledon. But there you have it, you have the, those are the four men, those are the four women, and I think, uh, I've heard yesterday while watching some of the, I think, Zarev game match, Mm -hmm. that Djokovic may be injured or something, Mm -hmm. or, so I think it will be, uh, Federer versus Federer uh, versus TM in the final. Federer versus TM. You thought? Side. Uh, for I'm gonna say it's gonna be a uh, Barty versus Halep because those are the two hottest right now. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go with Joke. I'm gonna go with Djokovic uh, versus Zverev. Um, I think I think he's gonna be. Uh, I mean, you could probably say the same for Roger Federer, but I think he's. I think he's gonna be. Um, Pretty, pretty juice uh, for this match, um, considering what happened recently. Um, so I'm gonna see Joe. I, I'm gonna say Djokovic is gonna win this um, one versus Federer, and obviously face the Rev in the um, in the finals. And then I also have on the women's side both Barty and Halep as well. Um, they seem to be the two hottest. Halep obviously winning six one six one in the quarterfinals. She's been pretty dominant um, throughout the entirety of this. 
Um, but I think those two will end up uh, facing off in the finals. And then so, your do you have any uh, comments on that? Yeah. <laughs> who are you going to think you're going to? Who do you who do you think will win the championship for both? I think the hometown favorite Bardu is, is going to end up winning that. I think when you have a, the, the hometown behind, especially everything that's happened in Australia, mm, the emotions the are going to be running yeah. high. Um, and I think she's going to pull through. She's the number one, obviously, in the world right now. You, I mean, this is like the moment. This is everything that you ask for to win in your hometown. Or as a home one country favorite. is what I meant yeah, to your say. Your home country. Um, I mean, that's that's everything you ask for. She has the perfect opportunity um, right now. So I think. And then on the men's yeah, side. On the other side, I got Reg. Uh, I got uh, Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I just don't see anybody on that side being either Federer or Djokovic in the finals. They, these guys have been here consistently, um, you know, throughout throughout all these time, all these finals, and they always come through. They always perform at a high level. So I got Djokovic for that. Yeah, I think Djokovic wins. <laughs> yeah, Djokovic too. Yeah, I think Djokovic wins it. I mean, I like Federer, but Djokovic, I think it's just, it, it's going to be him winning. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. What are you, what are your what are your um? I think it'll be. Uh, uh, I think it'll be Federer versus, like I said, Federer versus uh, Zarev, and I think uh, Federer wins. And then on their side, uh, uh, I think Halep wins in the uh, because even though uh, Ash Barkley, yeah. yeah, because of the dom- dominance, I think the dominant player wins over the uh, home country favorite. Right. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's it's a very interesting finals. There's some interesting storylines in these finals. Um, look forward to seeing the end of that Australian Open. Um, and that will occur, uh, I believe, somewhere early February. So we'll see how that all turns out. But that's going to do it for the end of our Spin Move podcast. Um, we appreciate you guys coming along and listening to the podcast as we've talked about many topics. Um, obviously, Kobe Bryant um, and the several people on the helicopter and his daughter, Gianna. Um, we talked about NFL. Um, Hall of Fame. We talked about the Super Bowl. We talked about um, some of the All-Star and um, All-Star uh, reserves, and we went into a little bit of the Australian Open. Um, and yeah, we went into several different topics today. There's so much more, obviously, to talk about going throughout the um, sports world. Um, so, guys, if you guys have any things that we we miss or anything to add, please do comment and and you know and talk on our page. We'd love to interact with you guys. We also have Twitter at the Spin Move Podcast, so you guys can connect with us in that way. Once again, you guys can comment and subscribe on many different platforms. Um, please do uh, share with your friends and your family if you really like the podcast and give us feedback on things we could do better, things that you enjoyed. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, but that's going to go ahead and do it for this edition of the Spin Move Podcast. Um, we hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Stay safe. Um, have fun. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. Um, spend time with friends and family um, throughout. Um, and, yeah, we hope you guys enjoy. And we will see you guys next week. Take care, everyone. Enjoy Super Bowl weekend. <laughs>